Hello, coders. Welcome to another How to Code Well podcast. Today, we're going to be talking about a very interesting topic, and that is how do companies rank, value, and measure programmers? Because it has changed over the years. It's changed since I've been a programmer. I, you know, since I started, it's changed a lot. And I, I, there's been many different mechanisms that people have tried to use to measure the performance of a programmer. So we're going to be talking about that today. And if you are looking to improve as a programmer, we'll be talking about those kind of things as well. Now, spoiler alert, this, this whole method of trying to gain a value of a programmer is very difficult. In fact, it's nearly impossible, <laughs> in my opinion, because it's not the same as other industries. There isn't a template that I can give you that will say, look, you need to do this, this, and this, and then you'll be valued more. Because what we do is so different, very, very different. If there was two programmers and they were working on a very similar project and they were given the same programming language, they were given the same framework, same library, same infrastructure, I'm pretty sure they'll be tackling that project very differently because they would have different experiences because they would be working in different teams with different personalities and there'll be different business decisions, even though the same project would, would, would transpire. So it's very difficult. It's not a Boolean. It's not like a true or false type thing. It's not black and white. I can't say that in order to be valued more as a programmer, you must achieve this during the project build. It's very difficult. So how do you value programmers? Let's talk about how perhaps I've been valued in the long time I've been a programmer. Some of the really weird ways in which I've been valued. <laughs> ah, we're going to use the word spreadsheet a lot. <laughs> so sometimes uh, we would be valued perhaps based on what we can achieve within a set time frame. So, for example, how many bugs you fix within a set time frame, how many co how much code you write, how much code you remove how much refactoring you do within a, a set time frame. And then you can carve that time and define that against money. So you can say money, I have this amount of money. I can see that you've done this amount of work within this amount of time. And therefore this is how much I'm going to pay you. Trouble is that is very, very just, it's just wrong. It's just wrong in my opinion. So that is how sometimes programmers can get paid and it's just, it's not great because some bugs are more difficult than others. No bugs are the same, no two bugs are the same. And when you're having to justify your time, because last week you fixed more bugs than you did this week. <laughs> and then you go into in-depth conversations as to why on earth that happened or didn't happen. Uh, and you, you, you try and have a conversation with someone without trying to scare them about the stability of the project. Um, yeah. So sometimes that happens. <laughs> so, uh, that hasn't happened to me for years, right? Years and years and years. So, so, so luckily that doesn't, 
happen a lot now. Um, I, I That hasn't happened for a long time. So I'm hoping that that doesn't happen to anybody else who's listening to that. But that used to happen. You used to be valued based on your what you could achieve within a certain amount of time. Uh, but those things that were being achieved were just numbers, like numbers of bucks, numbers of lines of code written, lines of code removed, that kind of thing. Um, there's also with, with the whole agile movement, there's the, the whole, you know, stories and, and user points or no, sorry, story points and user journeys and epics and how many tasks are in an epic, that kind of thing. And then you can say, oh, well, that's been assigned to this developer and, and, you know, he hasn't done it in the last how many weeks. So that's, that's a, a, that's not a good sign. The trouble is that as developers, when we're trying to justify our time, that's time taken out of developing and we have to think about what we've done. Um, and sometimes we don't work like that. Sometimes we're very reactive rather than proactive because we have to be because something has gone bang on the system. And so I'm having to fix something really close to the end of day. And then I've still got to write a report to justify my time, whatever. Um, so companies who, who go about trying to value programmers like that, I think you want to try and avoid because that's very old school. I think that's very old school. Um, the thing is that people who, who hold the purse strings, they like reports. They like to see statistics. They like to see how many bugs were fixed within certain months based on certain programmers. You know, it's, uh, but, but we all know that that isn't a very good way of valuing. So the point I want to make is that we as programmers value ourselves very differently to perhaps people who aren't programmers who are paying us <laughs> some of the time. Um, the, the best projects I've had, by the way, are projects where the people who are running the projects are also developers or used to be developers. And so they can appreciate how much dead air there is in terms of programming. When I say dead air, I mean, you know, things that you cannot physically hand over. There is so much time taken in planning. There is so much time taken in conversations. There's so much time taken in just thinking about what it is that you're trying to achieve and how you're going to solve it. All of those kind of things are very difficult to put across to someone who doesn't appreciate those, those things. And even if they're, if they're paying you to do that, it, it, it's very, it's very difficult. You know, you can't just suddenly produce a website. You can't just pull it off of the shelf and say, there you go. You know, I, I, this isn't a product that is visible. It's, it's invisible. That, that's what software development is. We're building something that is invisible until it's production ready. And I would argue that even at that stage, it's still invisible. So measuring time, I believe, isn't really a very good thing to, to do because also another thing that I keep finding is that when I say, oh, look, this is going to be, I, I'll estimate the time to be this amount. And then I'll actually look into the code a little bit further. I'll do a little bit more deep investigation and I can find then suddenly a whole raft of issues that I have to fix before I actually tackle the feature. Communication is certainly required, definitely. 
when you're trying to communicate back to the person who's paying you in terms of like, you know, I did say that this was going to be done in X amount of days, but in fact, I'm now having to tackle and deal with all of these other bits and pieces. Then usually you get the conversation of, well, do you have to do that? You know, all of this stuff. And then you talk about stability. Yeah. So it's, it's a very difficult thing. Time is something that isn't very good as a measurement, as a metric for how good a programmer is. You know, it's not a case of this programmer can fix all of these bugs within this short amount of time. In fact, I would be very dubious if there is a programmer who's just fixing bugs, 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 extremely uh, fast, and you've got a lot of bugs, then I would imagine that there's a a lot of corners being cut, and therefore there's a lot of bugs. Do you see what I mean? (laughs) So... The agile way of valuing programmers' time, just not great. Just not great. So let's talk about experience. Experience is something that, again, you can't really measure. You can have different experiences. Everyone has different experiences. They've all come from different backgrounds. They will all tackle the same problem in very different directions. Some will come out with very similar solutions. Some won't. Some will be more concerned with the caching, the performance. Some will be more concerned with the front end. Some will be more concerned with the security. It really depends on the experience. Obviously, someone who has a lot of experience is going to be valued far more than someone who doesn't have a lot of experience. I mean, that is something that that you can, you can actually measure. You know, how much experience do you have? However, with experience, you, there's often a time factor to that. So just because someone has had, has like 10 years worth of experience doesn't mean that they have a better experience than someone who has five years experience. Because that person who's had 10 years of experience could be doing the same thing for the, for five, six years. Whereas someone who's had five years of experience could be experiencing lots of different things. So it's very difficult. Again, time is not something that is, that should be factored into this valuation, but experience and what happened during that experience should be. But again, it's, it's, it's very subjective. It's not tangible one bit. So before I draw a line under the time thing, I just want to make another point. And that is that some people who define time, um, actually say what they've done on a very regular basis. They're actually doing less than someone who isn't defining time. <laughs> and, and so this is a really bad thing to use. This is a very bad metric to use um, time because people can dress up a spreadsheet to make it sound like they've done more than they actually have. And if we were to actually list out every single technical thing that we had achieved in a single day, then, you know, nobody's going to read that. Nobody's going to read that. And just looking at a spreadsheet, if one box is bigger than the other box, then it's like, oh, he's done a lot of work there. He's done a lot of work there. That other box, that other 15 minutes, half an hour, he hasn't done a lot of work there at all. But actually the words make the difference. (laughs) <laughs> you can dress something up quite, quite a lot. But, uh, if, if the person who's reading it doesn't have a clue about the technical things that you're actually putting down in those spreadsheet blocks, then, you know, it could just be, it could be completely, uh, it could just be gibberish. 
So, okay, that's it. I'm, that's it. That's time. Time. Time is not a great thing to measure the, the value, the skill of a programmer. So as I mentioned that programmers value other programmers very differently to how people who aren't programmers value programmers, people who perhaps are paying those programmers. So for example, we will value programmers based on not only the experience, but also the suggestions that they bring to the table. We also value programmers based on how quickly they can fix bugs and how they can suggest different features and different improvements and come and attack the problem that the team is attacking from different perspectives. They can throw in different suggestions and comments and help move the project forward. And also we value programmers based on the mentorship that they can give other programmers. Also programmers value other programmers based on the support and the knowledge that they have in different fields. So for example, yes, your project might be in PHP, but if a a programmer knows Python, then they're going to be valued far higher because they have the, the experience of other languages. Another thing you can do with valuation of programmers is also look at the rate in which a programmer has improved over the time in which they've been at that company. So for example, if the company puts out uh, personal development plans, so this is kind of, you know, what the employee wants to achieve over this portion of time. Um, how have they, have they done that? How have they achieved that? What, what are the things that they've done in order to reach those goals? There's other things that, uh, in my opinion, define how good a programmer is. And these things are nothing to do with programming. These things are how a programmer interacts with people. This is, I don't, I'm not going to use the word soft because I think it's core, core skills. I think it's core skills. If a programmer has a lot of good core skills and shows a good attitude, not to just towards their own work, but to others and can help others, are empathetic with others, listen to others, then in my opinion, they will be valued far higher. Again, it's very difficult to see an actual raw output of that, you know, uh, unless there was something, some sort of recommendation or reference from another programmer, but that rarely happens. So there are a lot of people in a department who don't actually produce a lot of code, but are very highly valued in the development sort of set. There could be people who perhaps work really, really hard, but have really bad core skills. And so they won't be missed, <laughs> to put it bluntly. They won't be greatly missed if they go. Perhaps someone who is who who produces less work but has more core skills will be valued higher and therefore will be missed if they if they left because they get on with the team. The team is happy when they're around. It's different if you're trying to work with someone who is very difficult to get on with. But the thing is, when when you're a programmer and when you're dealing with teams, there are, there are favoritism. There is favoritism. And it, 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 
it, it kind of sucks a, li- a little bit when you've got, you know, you, you've got your star programmer. And even if the other programmers know that that star programmer isn't actually a star, it's just because the shoulders were rubbed in the right way. You know, the words were spoken correctly, articulated better. Maybe they have the gift of the gab when it comes to the meetings. So perhaps they talk the talk, but they don't walk the walk. That's what I'm saying. And also perhaps when they make the suggestion at the right time, based on other conversations that they've had by other from other programmers, people like that are, are required. They are needed. They are needed. But sometimes it can get the backs up of the people who are actually in the engine room, producing the code, producing the thing that needs to happen. You know, as programmers, we can get replaced. And sometimes when that happens, it's a bit of a surprise to the people they rub the shoulders with because they think the whole company is going to stop because they've left. And they haven't because they didn't really do a lot in terms of coding. They did a lot of talking. They talked a lot of buzzwords, but they didn't actually produce a lot of code. But because they were friendly with the person who was paying them and they were able to say the things at the right time, they were able to get away with it. Let's just get real for a second. Let's just have a a reality check here. If you're working in a web development agency, so if you're making websites for different companies, then the web development agency that you're working for would have to come up with a series of quotes for the work that you are producing for for the clients. Those quotes would be defined by the amount of time spent to develop the solution, the product, the the website. So unfortunately, there is this valuation that is equated to time. So when you are developing your projects, the people who own the web development agency would know how efficient you are as a programmer, how quick you can actually produce these things. And they would also have experience of other programmers doing the same thing. So with that in mind, they would have some form of idea as to how quickly they you can produce this thing and therefore how much they can charge with hopefully a little bit more to the to the client. So unfortunately, it does boil down to this valuation and time type thing. But in my opinion, that doesn't justify how programmers are valued. That justifies how much a project is worth. Not how much a programmer is worth, but how much a project is worth. They're very different things in my opinion. So in short, this is an extremely difficult challenge that both programmers face and also the people who are hiring those programmers to justify objectively the value of a programmer. And a lot of times people do get it wrong because they don't think about the other things that programmers do that isn't writing code. (laughs) Anyway, if you've enjoyed this, then do let me know. Put your thoughts down in the comments if you are watching this on YouTube below. If not, if you are listening to this on the podcast, please send me a tweet at how to code well. That would be fantastic. Happy coding, everyone. I hope everybody is doing well and is feeling okay. Please wash your hands. See you again soon. Cheers. Bye.